March Madness, intense March basketball. It's going to feel like a championship game on Saturday night inside Tuscaloosa. What's the name of the center there? Coleman. Coleman. Coleman, Coleman Coliseum. Coliseum or Auditorium, I don't know. One of the two. Coleman Auditorium sounds better probably. It's going to feel like championship basketball there on Saturday night. I was looking at tickets last night. I was thinking about driving down, but I, I, I'm not going to. I'm not going to, but I was at least considering it. Didn't have anybody, for, any friends to go with. Sam, you can relate, right? <laughs> you said go alone to things, right? Well, it's a little different as a student. No, no, no. What do you mean? Going on the road is a little different. No, no, I don't. No, I don't no, think no. I would go on a road trip by myself to to watch. You, you got to be careful in enemy territory. So you're just going to watch it alone in front of your TV with your dinner? Well, I'm not talking about my hungry man tray or <laughs> fixing me a nice dinner. I I don't know what I'll do, Sam, but I do think it's a little different to be my age to go on the road by yourself versus you being a college student afraid to go to the student section I'm not by yourself. I'm afraid to go to the student section. I need somebody to sit with. <laughs> I need somebody to talk did you, to. Did you go to basketball games alone, John? No, I never really did, actually. But I didn't go to many basketball games. We weren't very good. Like I, I and plus I didn't really like waiting in line. So like, there I agree. Would, yeah, there there would be times I would go, but it was always, you know, it would be like this time of year. I, I didn't go to a lot of regular season Conzo games. Like I would have gone by myself if I had to to like the the Auburn game, sure. a top ten match or whatever. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. I wouldn't have gone to like the, when I was trying to guilt you into LSU and Texas A and M games. I one hundred percent would not have been there for that. However, we also didn't have Dalton Connect in a yeah, top five team. We were we were a bubble team at best, or you know. You know, I wasn't – we were in a bubble team for a lot of those years. I mean, Conzo, first year was nowhere clear, close to the bubble. Second year, you, you kind of got hot down the stretch. But I went to, like, the Missouri and Vanderbilt game, like, that year at the end. Waiting two hours for seats just sucks. Yeah. My friends used to do it all the time. They were more vaulted up than I was, but they were they were always go kind of camp out. and. We actually saw Rick Barnes before we get going. We saw Rick Barnes, like, he pulled in yet um, on Wednesday, and, like, he pulled into his little spot, and we were waiting there, and – my buddy just goes, is that Rick Barnes? And he just goes, how about it, Rick? And he just, like, gives him a little a little wave. He's like, what's up, guys? <laughs> how about it's a good phrase. I like <laughs> yeah, that. I know. It's so funny. You know what's underrated, in my opinion? This could be a, do a little mini overrated, underrated, but I think this one's underrated. You got me thinking about it. Every once in a while, I like to go, like, have lunch so, solo. Oh, no, yeah. Love it, actually. Every once in a while. You don't want to do it all the time, but, uh, you know, bring your phone. It used to be a newspaper. Just kind of, you know, it's your time. So I, I have no issue doing that alone. I'll sometimes go get dinner by myself, too. That yeah. one's a little bit less frequent. But I, I have no issue eating by myself, especially if you go sit at a bar at, for dinner. That's a little bit different. I go to the movies by myself all the time. Yeah, I, I, I go to the fun. movies probably 85% of the time by myself. That's relaxing, I bet, yeah. When, that, that's what I do when I have a bad day, because I, I pay for the Regal Unlimited Pass, so twenty dollars oh, yeah, a month. It's cheap. Yeah, and and I actually made the dumbest mistake. Maybe if someone was with me, I wouldn't have made this mistake. But Regal got me. They they started selling these these year long things, right? You buy a year long popcorn and a year long cup, and you get yeah, and you get like ten dollar refills. And I went the other night to the movies, and then I threw them away when I walked out. Like by habit, you throw your stuff away. So I threw my, my thirty dollar popcorn <laughs> and Coke away, and I got home and I was like, oh no, what have I done? 
And I was like, do I drive back and just get it out of the trash? It's like, no, I can't do that. So can't I was like, the guy rummaging through the trash. Through I was the like, do I beg them at the front and be like, look, guys, can I just have another one? And I was like, do I just pay the extra $30? I don't know. But Surely they got you in the system, right? That's a good question. Maybe. Maybe. But then you'll get to a whole thing of, well, he could have given it away to somebody. So I, <laughs> and, and usually, like, I'm not going to go ask the, the 17 or 18-year-old working, like, hey, can you can you look me up in the system to see and verify? Although, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm there quite a bit. They do maybe know me. I'm not, I'm not the one guy. I talked about when I went to see, maybe it was Iron Claw. I was sitting next to a guy, and he was saying it was like his 220th movie of the year or something crazy like that. Or maybe it was his 190th movie. He was trying to get to 200. That's what Goodness. it was. It was his 190th movie of the year. He's like, I got to get 10 more this year to get to 200. That's my goal. And I was like, what? He's like, yeah. I was like, I thought I went to a lot of movies. I, I went to like 50 last year. Touch some grass at 200. <laughs> Every time I'm there now, I see him there. <laughs> He's there all the time. But going to the movies alone, I like. Lunch, I like. Basketball, I don't know. Basketball, I don't know. I haven't gotten to that level yet of of comfort. Do they do anything now as students, like sleepovers? Camp out like inside out the stadium? Games? No, I don't no, no so. I mean like inside the actual arena. Because that was something Bruce did while oh, – I, I think know. this was before I was actually at UT. I think I was at either Not- MTSU or community college before I transferred in. But I remember my friends like sleeping over before a big Saturday game and like Bruce would bring pizza and they'd do like a – basically a camp out inside oh. of – No, I didn't know that. I've I've not heard of that. Okay. Um, I didn't think I'd seen that recently. So Yeah, I don't know. Maybe people realize that was just weird. Just make them wait outside. Yeah. To... I mean, people do, like, they get out there, like, waiting early in the morning. Like, they'll get out there probably 4 a.m. maybe for a big game. But I don't think anyone's camping inside the place. The, That's the, pretty the, cool. The Kentucky game's at 4. What time do we think people start getting lined up for Kentucky? What time do you plan on getting lined up for Kentucky? Senior um, day. Um. Yeah, I'll probably try and get there at, like, 1 or 2 maybe. I mean, they don't open the student gates until an hour and a half before the game starts. So, so you're just like, going to roll up so 30 minutes have, before? Yeah, I mean, I have to either just wait in the line and sit outside before, like, the hour and a half happens or basically just – or I could just time it and roll into the stadium as soon as the gates open and just hope I can cut the line because there was mob mentality for the Auburn game. They opened the gates and everyone just started running. Are there – a limited amount of numbers that you can go down, or do they like? Are they like actually keeping up with it, or is it just like you go down there's yeah, no seats? You're I expected think there's to a, come back up. I think there's a clicker counter on how many people can go to that bottom section that are like right behind the basket. Yeah, but like I said, I wanted to get the actual seats that are just above that, so you can kind of get yeah. a little bit of ankle above the court. I was gonna say, if worst comes to worst, you should be able to just go down and be like, "Oh, I just came up." Like, yeah, 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 just be like, "Oh, I just left. I went to the bathroom. You're not going back in." <laughs> they might give you like a wristband or something. I'm oh. not sure. Okay. I don't I don't like those seats because I can't see the whole court. Yeah, I'm just saying if worse comes to worse, yeah. you don't get those lower levels. Because, I mean, it is championship time, and, you, you know, the the next home game is one of, if not the biggest of the year. You know, For sure. There's chances it's the clear-cut biggest of the year. There's also a chance that you have it kind of wrapped up whenever you get there or you're eliminated. I mean, I guess that's a possibility as well. Tennessee-Alabama, very big, obviously. Show of hot takes. The Tennessee-Alabama game, big for the SEC championship. And Tennessee's one seed opportunities tomorrow. How are you feeling about the game, Bob? <sighs> I I think it's a tough one. I definitely think it's a tough one. There's, there's all sorts of factors that lead me to believe Tennessee could be just fine. I really I think so, just the way they play defense, the way Alabama doesn't play defense. 
That said, Tennessee ran them out earlier this season here in Knoxville, as we well know. They've won two in a row against Alabama. This game means a lot to both teams. I just have a feeling Alabama's going to be – their fans are going to be jacked up. Coleman's a tough place. It's not a very big, big uh, whatever it is, gym, arena, whatever you want to call it. Um, I think it's <clears> – <throat> without a doubt, I think it's the hardest game of the three they've got. You know, there's, there's some thought that South Carolina on the road could still be tough, and I think it will be, but I think this tomorrow is out of the remaining three games – because with Kentucky, I think that's a tough game, but you're at home. Um, I, I do think this is, as I've been saying all week, this is the one that worries me the most. I just keep coming back to the matchup. And going on the road is going to be tough, and, and you know there's a chance they catch fire. But we talked about with Polinsky yesterday, but like whenever, you, whenever you're a team that doesn't play defense, I think you're just susceptible to – to finding yourselves in, in shootouts or finding yourself in, in high-variance games. Whenever you don't actually defend, you're just getting as many possessions as possible, and you're going up against an offense like Tennessee. Like, it's one thing to go out there against Ole Miss and not play defense because they don't have a Dalton Connect, they don't have a Zakai Ziegler, they don't have a Jonas Adu. Hell, they don't even have a Santiago Vescovy. Like, I don't know if that's a, if that's a hot take, but I feel like Vescovy or James, your four, fourth or fifth best players, would they be Ole Miss's best player, or at least their second best player? Second know. best, maybe. Yeah, I don't know about that. Aaron Estrada, see what he did the other night? Triple double. He didn't do much against Tennessee and Knoxville, but he's always been someone that's gotten a lot of hype, and maybe he's starting to play now. Um, the only other kid I can think of is maybe that like Matt Morell kid, who's their guard. But either one of those dropped twenty six and Rupp. Nah, I mean. Or what Josiah dropping Rupp? I think twenty six might have been NC State, or did he have twenty six at Rupp too? I think he did. Uh, you talking about? I was, I was talking about second best player for Alabama. Oh no, I'm talking about for Tennessee. Yeah, yeah. no, I know that, but I, I thought you were doing a comparison with. Oh no, no, no I'm saying Ole Miss is. He's, I'm saying Ole Miss Ole isn't Miss. good. Is my point? Right. I'm, oh, no, I'm, I'm saying that. Tennessee's fifth, fourth or fifth best player would be the best or second best player on Ole Miss is what I was getting at because because oh, okay. Alabama was able to defend them. What's my point? No, Alabama. Alabama's good. Alabama's got good players. I wouldn't say our fourth or fifth best players. They're, they're second. No, no, no. I was talking about Ole Miss because I just think whenever you play defense like Alabama does, you let every team hang around. And Ole Miss wasn't good enough to capitalize I follow. on that. Okay, I follow you now. So like Tennessee going to Alabama on the road, that's going to be tough. But I, I think Tennessee has proven that they can go on the road and win these games. You know, I know the Wisconsin win isn't aging as well as it was at one point, but you went on there, you beat a pretty good team. That gave me some confidence to go inside Rupp Arena. And then going inside Rupp Arena and and beating Alabama, or excuse me, beating Kentucky the way you beat Kentucky, something Alabama was unable to do, that gives me confidence for this game on Saturday as well. Now, I understand, you know, Kentucky not an elite team, they haven't been an elite home team either. They've given up, you know, some games at home. But I also think the atmosphere and the stage is going to be comparable to what Tennessee's going to walk into tomorrow. Rupp Arena's loud. Rupp Arena, you know, seats 20,000 people in it. The, the, that crowd was good. I remember them trying to will 
their team to, to get some stops and try to play some defense. The players just didn't oblige them. But, like, I, I'm not necessarily worried about the atmosphere. Maybe that's going to be naive. Maybe that's going to age very poorly whenever the guys look shell-shocked on Saturday night out the gate. Maybe. But I think with these veterans and, and the leadership and the, the seniority – I have no real worries about going on the road. I don't want to compare it to, like, the Memphis game from 08. But when you had, like, some senior guards and you had Lofton, you had Jawan, and they're like, hey, we're going to go in there and we're not going to be scared of the moment. And we're going to go into an NBA arena and we're going to go out there and we're going to get it done. Like, is this the biggest regular season game since then? On paper? When you look at the stakes, and I know there was no conference championship or anything on the line with, with Tennessee-Memphis, but that was one versus two. That was a huge deal. That was your in-state rival. That was the center of the college basketball world. You know, I remember that being the cover of Sports Illustrated leading, leading up to the game. Is this the biggest regular season game at Tennessee since then? If there's some out there that you think are bigger, please, you know, Weigh in. You could you could tweet us. Hell, you could even call and let us know. 865-546-8200. It's an interesting thought, given what's hanging in the balance. I mean, there's been games before where they've played, you know, number one ranked teams, et cetera. And, you know, just last year with Alabama, we were just talking about this the other day. Um, but, yeah, given where we are at this point in the season, not just the SEC Conference Championship, but a one seed because um, there seems to be a growing uh, – there's a groundswell of support that if Tennessee could take care of business here in the regular season, it's going to be hard to deny them a one seed over in Arizona or someone like that. There's a lot of a lot of the media that's coming out and saying that, um, for once, speaking on Tennessee's behalf in a positive way. Um, so, yeah, I think – I think that's an interesting comparison. Have to dig a little bit. That's that could be the biggest regular season game, just given the timing of things. Well, Tennessee's never, you know, been this close to a one seed. I don't think. I mean, you may, maybe maybe there's a year. I mean, I know we were a two seed one year. Maybe there was a year that we were close and and had a big gigantic matchup that we lost, and and time has just kind of erased it because you lost it, but. When you have an SEC championship, when you have a one seed, your program's first ever, when you still have the hope, you know, going back to the conversation in the last couple of days, when you still have the hope that this team can be the special one and that if you can get these accomplishments on the way to set yourself up to have that special run, like they're magnified now because you still hope. Any of the regular season games in the past outside of the – of the Tennessee-Memphis one didn't have as big of a payoff. I would say Tennessee-Memphis, you know, is obviously in the conversation just because that was your program's first ever one seed or number one ranking. So even knowing that that season didn't end greatly, I don't think that those memories taint how big that game was in 08. So there might be a bigger one. But it feels like this might be the biggest since. And that's what? 16 years ago? Biggest regular season game in 16 years. Biggest Tennessee-Alabama game. 
of my lifetime. I would say there would never be a bigger one. I don't know why I felt I did a little scouring last night of previous games with Alabama and for the for the weirdest reason I feel I I, I was going into it I felt like Tennessee uh, was Alabama had their number but actually when you look at their head to head it's pretty it's pretty even quite honestly short of a they had a route in 2017-18 where in Tuscaloosa where Alabama won 78 to 50 um back when John Petty was playing and others for for Alabama the it's been pretty even um uh, I was going to say it, actually in the last 7 games since that blowout uh Tennessee has won 4 Alabama 3 and Alabama won 3 in a row you're right, though. It does feel a little bit more lopsided, but it shouldn't because, yeah, I mean, the last two times that it's felt like a big game, you know, maybe it's just because – maybe this is biased because they've been in Knoxville and, you know, you've you've been in this arena and you've you've had the home atmosphere. But, like, the those two games felt pretty big. Now, maybe the return felt big for Alabama down there and they could say they got the best of you. I, I don't know exactly what the situation was. I just keep I just, for whatever reason maybe I was associating it with that seventy eight fifty loss. I was like, hadn't we gotten run out in Coleman before? But beyond that game, the the answer is no. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I just I remember the Kenny Chandler year where where Fulkerson's sick going into the game, and and Tennessee quite frankly blew that game. They were up most of the entire game. They were up and just couldn't close them out over the final like two minutes. Alabama just made plays that Tennessee didn't. So I have confidence to go down in that arena. I have confidence that this team is going to go down there and and know what's at stake. That's the good part about having these these veterans. For as much as Vescovy, as much as Josiah maybe drive you crazy when you watch them on offense, they've played in a lot of big games. And I also don't think that it's a coincidence that the last time you went to Rupp Arena, you had Josiah kind of set the tone early. You had Josiah be your best player on the court that night. And Am I expecting him to have that outburst tomorrow? No, but I think you're going to get a good offensive game from him. I think you're going to have him locked in. So I'm pumped. I'm pumped. We'll continue the conversation. It's the morning show on Fan Run Radio. Looking back at the 08 season, Tennessee, I guess they would have had to have been in the conversation for a one seed on that Saturday in the SEC tournament at 29-3. and three. And then they lose to that Arkansas team, 92-91. to 91. I remember being gutted after that game. It was a hard loss. You won an SEC championship so badly. It's kind of crazy looking, you know, like comparing this year where you have six losses and you're like, hey, you know, should be a one seed. Got a pretty good shot at a one seed with six losses. And then looking at that year where you're, you know, have four losses going into the dance and you were a two seed. And you were also, uh, so the one seeds that year, Carolina 32 and two, Kansas 31 and three, Memphis 33 and one, UCLA 31 and three. So my God, just 
top of college basketball. I don't know if like the scheduling was different, if you know teams were just more loaded, and I don't know, but that, that's crazy that you had four teams with three losses or fewer. So I guess it makes sense that Tennessee at four losses would be a two seed. I think that was that SEC tournament, as I remember it too, was just it was chaotic for sure. I think the final was Arkansas and Georgia, if I recall correctly. It was. Uh, that was the year of the tornado, and they had to move it from the Georgia Dome over to Georgia Tech. And the other thing I remember about that Arkansas game was um, Jawan Smith and then Arkansas coach John Pelfrey talking trash to each other constantly on the court. You could see them, like, yapping at each other. And just thought it was interesting to see Pelfrey kind of get pulled into the, the mud like that by one of our players. I am retroactively 16 years mad that we got matched up with the 32 and two North Carolina as our one seed. Like, why the hell didn't they just at least send us to like the South with Memphis and set up a rematch? We had taken our chances in that game. Then we could have drawn Stanford as a three seed instead of Louisville, a red hot Louisville team with Rick Pitino. Yep. I'm retroactively mad. I don't know how I felt when I was 18, but I am retroactively mad about it today. And I remember watching that game, that second-round game against Butler, and if you recall that one, I mean, it went to overtime, so obviously it was a close game, but I, I felt like Tennessee absolutely just escaped with their lives in that one because Butler just wouldn't let them off the hook. Do I remember it? I went to it. Did you really? I was there, Birmingham, Alabama, with my boy Justin, his brother Josh, and my friend John, his cousin. The four of us went down there. Which was really cool as an 18-year-old, like a senior in high school. You felt yeah. like you were doing something pretty cool for that. Yeah. But, yeah, I was there uh, Was there for the Butler game. And then we watched a little bit of Blake Griffin and Louisville the next game. And you were rooting hard for Blake Griffin because you didn't want to play Louisville. And then you saw why. <laughs> yes. Then you saw why the, the next round as they kind of just blew you out, dominated you. That really was a hell of a season other than the way it ended. Is that as close as Tennessee's been? I think it could be. I mean, we may have talked about this the other day. The the 2019, uh, I think Tennessee, what might have cost them there. Didn't they lose the last regular season game to Auburn? 84-80 to 80 at Auburn. <clears throat> got the Kentucky win in the <laughs> SEC tournament, which was epic. But then turned around and got smoked in the finals. Yeah. <clears throat> I think maybe you're right. I, 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 I'm, I'm of the mind maybe that 0708 team was really the closest we've gotten to it. So when you look at the stakes, you got everything you need here for this game against Alabama to, to be gigantic. Win out, likely get the program's first ever one seed. Do you feel pressure? Is it just excitement? Because I'm not going to lie, a couple weeks ago it felt like this one might be a little bit more house money. But I think you thought maybe Ole Miss gets Alabama. And I know you keep talking about Florida getting Alabama, but like if Tennessee loses this game, you lose the the air of controlling your own destiny, right? You you lose the air of invincibility or whatever. Like you're going to be at the mercy of Florida next week. And I still think Florida can beat Alabama. But, like, the the idea of house money, it sounded better two weeks ago when you looked at the schedule as a whole. But when you get down here and you're like, okay, these are there's three games left, and after this one there's only two games left. And 
and you have to win out and you have to have Florida do you a solid, that becomes a lot more dangerous because I don't feel like we've had a good track record as Tennessee fans of other teams doing our bidding for us. I tend to agree. Um, I, we're pretty much in agreement that if Tennessee wins tomorrow night, they take care of business in South Carolina. For SEC conference purposes, doesn't really matter what happens against Kentucky. Obviously, we want to win because we still want to have ambition for a one seed. But, right, there's no way they can lose the conference title if they win the next two. Correct. Correct. They they lock it up by winning the next two. But like, I'm just having PTSD uh, to to Ed Orgeron not being able to punch a ball in from the one yard line against Florida in 2016. Like, yeah, what three chances, four chances from the one yard line, you couldn't do it to help you win the SEC East. They fail. I'm having flashbacks to the entire 2019 basketball season where you're just waiting, hoping. LSU could drop a couple games, and they just, for the most part, don't. They survive an overtime game against against Florida the final week. You, you're hoping they drop one. They win 79-78 at Florida. They go on the road. They win at Alabama. They beat you in overtime. They beat Kentucky on the road by two. And just all these chances of, of having them drop when they just they keep winning. And then yeah, nothing will ever be as bad as as the as the two thousand sixteen season where you, you got a scheduling break finally. You you got a gift from literally the gods. They brought a hurricane through the south and, and moved the LSU Florida game. And they forced Florida to play at LSU. And you're like, thank you, God. Thank you. Yeah, you know, there might have been some damage to properties and, I don't know, maybe a couple lives lost. But you know what? We're finally on the right side of it. And instead, Florida goes on the road and beats that LSU team. Just spits in your face. Just spits in your face. So with all that being said, I'm saying Tennessee, it doesn't feel like they have house money tomorrow. At Alabama, it feels like they have to do it themselves. I would agree. I would agree. It would be a happy uh, development if Florida can take care of Alabama next week, but can't count on that at all. If you win tomorrow, you set yourself up to only have to win one of your next two games to win the SEC. You'd have a chance at South Carolina at home against Kentucky. It, it, it would take you to – Basically a 78, 80% likelihood that you win the the SEC championship. It opens the door to winning an outright SEC championship, which would be Rick Barnes' first one of those. It would be the first time, which is kind of crazy when you consider the amount of success we feel like Rick Barnes has had here and the amount of success he's just objectively had. Never been the one seed in the SEC tournament, right? We've never been the one seed, correct? I don't think so. The year you won the SEC championship in Tampa, Auburn was the one seed. Right, A&M took them out. A&M took them out. You and Kentucky were the two and three. Now, I think you would have had a good chance to beat that Auburn team, but you weren't the one seed. The the year you 
you want to share the title. Auburn was the one seed that year, too. The only way South Carolina, even though they're only one loss behind, the only way they really can win this is they would have to count on, like, a Tennessee losing twice. I don't think that's accurate. I think I think they just I think if they went out, I think if we beat Alabama, they control their own destiny because they they're only one loss behind Tennessee. They get Tennessee at home, they would yeah. then win the tiebreaker over Tennessee. So like no, if if South Carolina is rooting hard for Tennessee to beat Alabama because then you know you are going to go into South Carolina and it's going to feel like a de facto SEC championship game for them too because right if they're able to win on Saturday. That's right, because I was thinking Alabama would have the tiebreaker against them. However, they'd have one more loss, Correct. so they wouldn't. So, um, yeah, because Alabama crushed them in the regular season. Um, yeah, so it's it's kind of funny. It's like for Tennessee, this really, you know, uh, Polinsky mentioned it yesterday, uh, that that's, uh, and that's what I had heard too about the mindset of the team. This is like a tournament now. It's like they really are playing, they have to play that way. Each game, it keeps escalating. Well, if they beat South Carolina, then they can. It's then it's playing for a one seed. The SEC title will be in hand. Oh my God! Can you imagine if if Tennessee beats Alabama and, and South Carolina beats Florida at home, and then all of a sudden you are going on the road for another? Yeah, that that's draining. <laughs> that's draining. And you know, you talked with Polinsky yesterday, and you asked him about getting back up for the game, and he's kind of like, you know, you hope that the veterans just, they're, they're ready. They know what's at stake, and they fire themselves up. But, like, that, that, that'd be the third emotional game in a row. Auburn was a, a war. I don't think Alabama's necessarily going to be physical, but it's going to be one that, that's intense. It's going to be draining. You're going to be tired after the game, regardless. And then you have to go back on the road to South Carolina. Is that game on a Tuesday or a Wednesday? Do we know? South Carolina? Yeah. It's a Wednesday. Okay. So at least you get a little extra day of rest. Yeah. Not compared to them, of course, but just you're not having the quick turnaround of get back get back from Alabama, go on the road again to South Carolina. Well, South Carolina's got a tough one tomorrow. Yeah, they play Florida. Yeah. They play Florida at home and, and I think Florida wins that game, but you know, I thought I thought South Carolina was gonna go to A and M and lose. And they didn't. They went. They went to A and M and won. They're they're staying alive in this race, and you know someone someone agreed because you know we, we were talking about the SEC title odds yesterday, and South Carolina was twenty nine to one, and then I went back to check last night, and somebody had bet them down to twenty to one, so somebody had put a little money on them to take those odds, which kind of makes sense, I guess, when you look at the scenarios. It, it does feel like a better chance than than twenty nine to one. Oh my god! I don't even. Want think about that so you're, you're relying on florida twice come on florida do us a solid i'm a big fan of san francisco come on coach be good be golden get the job done but all eyes on tennessee i guess the good news is south carolina florida is at noon so at least you'll have an idea and hopefully hopefully florida's taking care of business and you could just go all in on like hey Win this game, and you're most likely winning an SEC championship. I don't want to think about the Gamecocks. They're so gross. They're so gross. So the fact is, the game being at noon, that's the upside, but the downside is now you got all day. you got to agonize. And Yeah, if South Carolina beats Florida, you go to that Alabama game, and you're like, oh, man, this is just step one of this. you gotta, you got to win. Yeah. you got to win two now. That's going to be tough. <laughs> Damn it. 
You also would be on the line to like go from one seed to three seed in the SEC tournament. Not that it would really matter, but that becomes more stressful. It's March Madness, man. You sleep in May, right? That's what that's what John Rothstein says. It's true. Which I never really – I mean, it sounds good, but, like, bro, the season ends, like, the first weekend of April. You could sleep for most of April, too. Sleep April 8th, I guess, doesn't have the same ring as we sleep in May, but you really need 30, you know, 20-something days to come down off of the championship weekend. John, relax a little bit, guy. So, Sam, well, you know, you've got a little bit older – set of guys over here a little bit will you be watching that noon game tomorrow yeah south carolina florida yeah, yeah you yeah, have yeah. better things to do no i'll be watching that. Now, he's a junkie it's a better question to ask me i'll be watching it well, typically I'm... i wouldn't watch a saturday noon game of, of two other teams but it's championship time and i do like watching this florida team play i don't want to keep yeah, acting I like, like it too. yeah i don't want to keep acting like i'm gator chomping all the time but like i, I do like watching that florida team play I think they could make a, a run in March, honestly. Like, you know, FanDuel gave me a handful of free bets, and I ended up having like a fifty dollar one left, and I, I I took a little flyer on them to make the Final Four. Final Four, really? Yeah. What it was, was like? like a, it was like a fifty dollar free bet to win like nine hundred. But do you like, remember the odds? It was on like nineteen make, plus nineteen hundred. Like the Sweet Sixteen. Do you know what that odds? Those, was? They usually don't release those until the bracket actually okay, comes yeah. out. Yeah. For the I'm, most part, it'll be Final Four or like one seed. You can bet on them to be a one seed, of course, but yeah. that would be throwing money away. What I'm struck by with those two teams, they're both very good, uh, South Carolina and Florida. They Think about it. Honestly, I still feel this way. They don't really have players that are names in any way, shape, or form. They're just good. Mm-hmm. You know, they, good team ball. Yeah. I mean, Alabama's got Sears. Tennessee's got Connect. Kentucky's got a bunch of guys. These guys, they have talent, but there are a lot of guys I've never really heard of, but they're good. Um, you know, and they're well coached, both of them. Golden and Lamont Paris are having great seasons coaching wise. So um it's definitely it's a that's a game of interest for sure. Well, Florida's my second favorite college basketball team right now. Are they really? Oh, just for Well, yeah, play. yeah. They're well they I have adopted them, yes. They 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 almost did us a solid at Tuscaloosa, you know, last week. We need them to do us a solid tomorrow against South Carolina. And we we need them to to beat Alabama at home next week. Unless Tennessee just takes care of business, it goes 3-0. and Going 3-0, and Sam, sounds a little bit easier than going 4-0, right? Always does. Sounds a little bit easier. Before the Auburn game, Bob, we were talking about going 4-0. Now that's down just to going 3-0. and It's true. And we were talking about the Auburn game being, you know, hey, we took care of business. It's like you don't win that game, you don't even continue this conversation for the most part. I mean, you could mathematically, but it would have been very tough. Feels like a football game in in terms of my level of excitement and and nerves going into it. That's good. It's March. We sleep in May. Or (laughs) April 9th. Or, not to take a turn to negative town, but. Whenever Tennessee loses in the tournament, maybe maybe the middle of March. Who knows? Maybe we sleep a maybe we sleep in round two. Nah, it's happening, man. It's gonna be April. Hour one of the books. We'll kick off hour two with some things you missed from yesterday. It's the morning show on Fan Run Radio. A brand built in Tennessee. <laughs>
Hour number two, kicking off here in the White Claw Hard Seltzer Studios. Let's hit some hour two headlines. Recap us on things we missed from yesterday, Sam. Thanks, John. You're welcome. Uh, some news in women's college basketball. Star it better be Caitlin Clark. Game. Absolutely, it's okay. Caitlin Clark. There's only two stories <laughs> I care about right now. Caitlin Clark and does Kelly Harper get fired? Okay, yeah. That's fair. That's very fair. I guess if South Carolina loses in the SEC season, I'll care a little bit about that because they're undefeated, right? So I guess I don't know. <laughs> they're still undefeated and undefeated in conference, okay. obviously. So like if they lose, maybe I'll care about that. But until they lose, I don't care about South Carolina either. Before you get to that, and I'm not sure why, but I was curious. I checked out because Lady Vols won last night, and I checked out where they are in women's bracketology. Are they in? Nine seed. Okay. Better okay. than I thought, honestly. Yeah, yeah, I guess they avoided, like, the bad loss to Vanderbilt a couple weeks ago, and losing to LSU was disappointing, but, like, it didn't hurt you because LSU was good. Yeah. Since we're talking women's basketball, what matchup would you rather see? Caitlin Clark rematch against LSU and Angel Reese or Caitlin Clark versus South Carolina? Undefeated streak. And team, like, revenge from last year because she beat them last year, right? Yeah. Yeah, they did. Yeah, they did. That, that's like the best women's basketball game I've ever seen. No, it was that. a great game, yeah. Yeah, it was amazing. I watched all of it. Um, I'd like to see him, I'd like to see her go against Angel Reese again, honestly. Because Same. Same. LSU's been kind of quiet this year, but that's kind of the way last year. They came in as a three seed and then went on a run, and they're still the champs until they beat them, but like, or get beat. But, yeah, I was wondering. Because, I mean, the South Carolina undefeated streak versus, like, America's darling revenge, I think that's a pretty big story, too. But I do think we like the drama the messiness of Angel Reese versus Caitlin Clark. I think you'd get Trash more media talk. hype out of the LSU one. I think I those know. girls are a little more I, I don't out know. there in the media. I mean, Van Lith and Angel Reese are two quote-unquote stars. I don't know if Van Lith's necessarily a star, but she's somebody you know. Uh, but Don Staley is the biggest yeah. coaching star. Sure. I mean, she's been the most consistent star of the last you know five years. After I saw that, we, we shared it. We talked about it, that Angel Reese uh, – chatter against the lady balls yeah. um just makes me dislike her even more i mean it's it's she was she was right <laughs> what she was saying but I, it's funny that it went viral because like i remember watching it at the time and just that was like right when around the time i'd turned the game on and just watching her trash talk and asking that girl how many points she had and like no you ain't talking to me like, oh, it's pretty good it's pretty good it is good anyway kaylin clark sucked it came at our um <laughs> Caitlin Clark headed to the WNBA draft. Not exactly a surprise by any means, but not going to be taking advantage of uh, the the COVID year that she's eligible for. Obviously, the by and large favorite to be the number one pick uh, by the Indiana Fever. How about that, Bob? Yeah, Fever, America's <laughs> America's sweetheart. At least when it comes to sports, I don't think she's passed Taylor Swift for that title yet for America's sweetheart. But going to the homeland. Uh, of basketball, I don't. Do people like the Fever up there? Do they have? Yeah, they're pretty bad. They, yeah. uh, well, they 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 had their first round pick was from South Carolina last year. Is it Butler? Is that her? I forget her first name, but uh, she's a big, and she's been good. So you know, it's good building blocks between her and Caitlin getting together. That could be good. Um, Aaliyah Boston. Aaliyah Boston. Mm-hmm. That's it. I was gonna um, say I don't remember a Butler, but I yeah. remember that name. Um, so yeah, I, I think yeah they're. Oh, they'll they'll definitely rally to 
support the team it, with it, her coming. It made me happy seeing Dev- Darren Rovell get dunked on. Oh, yeah, right? I, I hate that guy. I'm glad you brought that up. Such a business, sports business expert. I guess he doesn't do that anymore. He's just the gambling guy now, which doesn't who doesn't know anything about gambling. I don't know how he necessarily found himself in that lane, but talked about Caitlin Clark taking like a $750,000 pay cut or whatever he called it, and everyone quickly was like, no, bro, all of her deals are national. She doesn't have to be in school to have her quote-unquote NIL money. She just has endorsements. Like, they'll follow her to the WNBA, and apparently that's a new trend. There was a girl last year that I don't, I don't know who it was. Maybe it was Boston or I don't, I don't know, but they said, like, basically the biggest star last year that left had a similar setup where all of her NIL deals were not through the school's collective but just brokered maybe through them but, like, signed with national brands. So, like, State Farm is still going to sponsor Caitlin Clark. Yeah. She'll right. still have that national – that Van Lith girl is an Adidas sponsor when, like, LSU's a Nike school. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so, yeah, maybe that. And I mean, I know Angel Reese got a big bag from from Shaq, and was it Reebok, I believe, that oh, Shaq yeah. took, took yeah. advantage or took – I think so. Took uh, leadership of. I'm mm-hmm. pretty sure she got a big bag from that. So, like, I'd say she's in a similar position that, yeah. you know, people make fun of the WNBA salaries, which, I mean, they are, they are kind of bad when you look at the – the idea of being a professional athlete. I don't want to get into the economics of it. I'm not saying they should be paid more or whatever because the league doesn't make money. But when you look at the minimum salary there being like 60000 the maximum salary being like 250000 I would say that is a pay cut for a lot of these big women's basketball stars. I'd say Angel Reese does make more and Caitlin Clark does make more. But they'll be able to supplement that with, with income made from endorsements. I'd say Caitlin Clark will continue to make seven figures – to the first parts of her WNBA career. I was going to mention Ravel if you didn't. Uh, I think it was Nicole Arbach who, I mean, there were there were a lot of people dunking on him. She, like, <laughs> she baptized him. I mean, she was like, she was basically like, I can't, you know, let's get this straight. I mean, she was just throwing down on him. I what, loved it. What did Darren do? Did he ever back off? Did he say that he has women friends <laughs> and that he's allowed to talk about this? Did he say... I don't know. I don't know if I – well, at the time when I saw it, I, I there was no response from him. So maybe he did something afterwards, but, um, yeah. It's kind of a common sense thing, honestly. It is crazy. Um, he's a moron. I, I, <laughs> such a loser. He's the first person I think I've actually like hated in media. I just find him just to be insufferable. I just find him to, he's just he's the worst about he's the worst in terms of being insufferable while also just being wrong and having no self awareness, but thinks he's the smartest person. Tweets just like random pictures of sports memorabilia whenever someone dies. You know, I don't know. I'm blocked. I've been blocked. I don't really know what he tweets. Uh, <laughs> you blocked by him? That's yeah, great. Yeah, I, I just saw him get dunked on in this regard. Just the the Kate Upton. He had that weird thing where he made her uncomfortable on a show by proposing to her, and everyone's like, "Get off your knees, bro! You're being creepy." And did he really? Yeah, yeah. He tries to like confess his love to her. I don't know if it was a proposing, but tried to ask her on a date or something, and they were trying to do a bit, and it was gross. And then, then he also like got duped. He wrote that big story during the NBA lockout about how like some escort service was losing like seven figures because the NBA players don't come to their cities anymore, and that was just a completely fabricated story that he didn't like vet it all and he wrote it on ESPN he's supposed to be some serious journalist then we started gambling like he was a gambling expert that didn't know anything about gambling people in the industry there dunking on him the black history month thing was maybe as bad as it got the 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 black memorabilia and people are getting mad at him like well I have so many black friends or they're calling him racist like I can't be racist I have so much 
uh, Martin Luther King memorabilia, and some of my friends are black. I just hate that guy. Um, Ravel did respond. What did he say? He responded to Nicole Arbach, first of all, saying 800000 at Iowa on what is essentially a salary, 80000 in WNBA. I didn't say anything about endorsements. Then he put another post up a little later that said, I see a lot of people still don't understand how NIL works. In most cases, the schools are paying these kids through collectives. Most get paid to show up at charitable events for the money. That is a salary. And that's all he said. It's like. No, it's not. Yeah, I know. I know. No, I know, but like, I, yeah. it, it's. It's it's crazy that he just can't ever be like you know what oops my bad and I, there's a part of me that respects it you know he he keeps <laughs> tweeting through it he keeps sure. gnawing like whenever you find yourself in a in a bad situation Sam you want to be like a little rat and you just want to keep gnawing gnaw your way out of it just keep eating until you get out and and he does kind of live that way. <laughs> he, then somebody one of the first comments wrote I see you don't understand. CC Caitlin Clark hasn't taken a dime from an Iowa NIL collective, and then Rovell said different conversation this year. The next person writes, "It's not a different conversation. You're wrong. Take the effing L, dude." <laughs> <laughs> she gets zero from Iowa. It's all from endorsements. It shouldn't be this hard to understand. Pretty embarrassing, as this is supposedly what he's good at. Yeah, no, it's it's, it's great. And there was another one recently with the the Logan Paul, Jake Paul, the uh, was it Prime, the Prime drink. And, like, he was arguing with somebody about what anecdotal, like, evidence is. And he's like, no, it's not. You know, I just saw this firsthand this weekend. They're like, yes, that's exactly what that means, dumbass. Uh, yeah, then it just spins last thing. It just spins into other people. Everyone hates him. No, no one no, likes him. But other people sniping at each other. Somebody wrote, Caitlin will have no market after the initial WNBA buzz. This whole debate is a joke. It's just the Oregon girl all over again. And so the next person writes, hey, that Oregon girl has one of the most popular shoes in basketball right now, especially the NBA. That's weird. LMAO. It's just, uh, well, it's the beauty of X. We know how that gets. But, uh, but he started it. Ravel started the fire with just ignorance i've never really thought of the women's basketball shoe game so i I guess the women's like so ionescu has her own signature shoe that that girl hoopers wear apparently so i mean it's actually a good looking basketball shoe is it really yeah i think so well i mean i feel like we don't make those anymore like in terms of good basketball shoes i I don't feel like there's there's one that like the you know the that really has a hold of the the streets and the culture like it doesn't feel like there's a I mean, is it Durant's? I mean, I know Kyrie's had him for a while, and then Kyrie, you know, he got canceled with his Nike deal and all that. They kind of went away, but I know that was a popular hoop and shoe. There was somebody I knew who, who a guy who got women's shoes because he liked how they looked. And, I mean, you can do that. Like women's, like Jordan's? Because yeah. I've seen some, like, version of Jordan's. Yeah, that it was, good. It was like some the, sort of Nike shoe. I can't recall what the what the line was, but it was a Nike shoe. And I'd like to see your friend out there hooping on Saturday mornings <laughs> in the Sabrina Ionescu's, yeah, though. Like, yeah. Like hot pink, or although there's a lot of guys wear the pink shoes now. You know, just because she's a woman, Bob, her shoes doesn't have to be pink. She could have just a, a pair of that's true of white shoes. Yeah, I think they look pretty solid. I'm do they, do they right release now. in men's sizes and stuff? Like I would assume, because I mean, I know Jordans obviously have women colorways that are you know specific to women, and and I, I've had some friends that have bought those too, and vice versa. I have some. You can I'd be kind of upset if I couldn't. Shoes. Honestly, you can just plus up in the women's size. Yeah, I, I think, can. Right, right. That's all you do. Yeah. Um, Maybe the width, though, you know? It would be pretty funny to see your friends pull up in some <laughs> Ionescu's, though. They only sell them in women's, yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah, okay. 
roll up in the Caitlin Clarks. That's disappointing. Kind of like these shoes. Look at what Darren Ravel has started. He's a content machine. Yes. It's just he's always at the wrong end of the the content. He's on the, the butt end. And while I was sifting through his post, to your point, John, most of what else he posted for the last 24 hours has been about memorabilia. He's such a nerd. Is that the only headline? Did you give us one headline, Sam? Do you have anything <laughs> else? I've been talking about this the whole time. <laughs> Shohei Otani got married in, in silence yesterday. That checks out. Um, yeah, you know, a guy who loves keeping his keeping his personal life very, very close to the vest said he got married to a, quote, normal Japanese woman. That's what I was going to ask if, yeah. if, if he was – because I think, I think Japan would be pretty, pretty sad had he went to America and found him a white woman. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. He, he found himself a nice Japanese woman. That's good. Um, yeah, didn't tell any of his teammates, basically. Just kind of... He didn't announced. invite them? No, he just announced it. This is, you know, I saw something. Uh, it was kind of paying, paying homage to, to former Yankee Hideki Matsui. Apparently, back in the day, him and Derek Jeter made a bet that... Uh, like one of them would get married before Derek Jeter would, mm-hmm. and they didn't know that Hideki Matsui had like a girlfriend for a long time, and then he just proposed to this girl and won the bet and won a bunch of money off nice. these guys. Nice, yeah. So uh, yeah, Shohei's getting Shohei's getting married. Um, another one, Dale Earnhardt Jr. Some NASCAR news. Uh, he's leaving NBC, going to racing newcomers, Prime Video, and Warner Bros. Discovery. Um, I know he's taking this year off, I believe, of calling it because they start in 2025, uh, that new broadcast with Warner Brothers. Uh, but, yeah, Dale Earnhardt leaving NBC to go kind of be their lead guy, I would assume. I'm not the the biggest NASCAR expert compared to probably a lot of our fan base, but I think uh, this seems like a, a big move for, for Amazon and Warner Brothers. I had no idea that – Warner Brothers Discovery was getting into the NASCAR game. Had no idea. Me neither. Warner Brothers Discovery and Amazon, are they connected? or No, Warner Brothers Discovery is, you know, the Turner Network. Right, right. So that. you're saying it's going there? And Prime Video. They're, yeah, they're partnered together, I guess, on this. Okay, well, that's way. what yeah. I'm asking. So like, is Amazon and them going to partner up and maybe and just stuff? for the, yeah, just maybe for this for, NASCAR, yeah. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. They're not, yeah. yeah, they're not one in the same company, obviously. No, no, but yeah. Maybe. I was asking if they were partnered up on the sports okay. side of it because, yeah. like, Warner Brothers is doing the thing with ESPN and HBO as well, or I guess ESPN and uh, Fox, excuse me, as well, right? That's they're a part of that yeah. alliance. So, like, are they just double dipping here? I, I think maybe it's just a, it, yeah, it might be just, it may be a collab. It may be just like what we see with other networks with other sports too, where each of them have a piece of the pie, and Earnhardt's cutting a deal where he's got the ability and the latitude to go to both sides, you know, and. Kind of like it's different sports, but Herb, it, it is football. Herb Street's doing Amazon, but he's also ESPN. You know, it's pro in college, but it's still football. So, yeah, that's that's pretty interesting. I just don't watch enough NASCAR to even know if Dale's that good. I'm sure he's good. You know, he's been doing it for a while, and he's certainly got the right perspective. But He's beloved, too. Yeah, yeah of I mean, course. I, I don't know if this is accurate, so don't scream at me, NASCAR fans, and <laughs> I don't want to deal with Jake when he comes in here like, John Reed, you're a dumbass. <laughs> but, like, it still feels like Dale Earnhardt Jr. is the biggest NASCAR star in the world. Like, he hasn't raced the last, you know, he's retired the last, you know, handful yeah. of years. But it still feels like he's the biggest name in NASCAR. He's still the one I think of first. Maybe that's one of those things that isn't a, a hot take at all. Maybe when everyone else is like, yeah, duh. <laughs> Maybe, but it still feels like he's the biggest guy. So, like, him, him – 
jumping and going somewhere else is noteworthy. I guess it makes sense for Amazon to get into the NASCAR game. They just want to get in as many sports as possible. We haven't talked about it yet, but this weekend, right, we get the the the, the tennis match. Are you guys aware of the tennis match? No. No. Is this okay. like the match for golf but tennis or what? I don't know what they're calling it. I don't think they're just calling it the match, but like, or maybe they are, but it's like Rafael Nadal versus Carlos Alcaraz. Okay, yeah. They're just doing it on Netflix. I don't know, like, what's at stake. I don't know, oh, it's like, just them two. It's nobody. Yeah, else. no, it's just them two. Okay. Yeah, they're just getting together and playing, and like, and it's live on Netflix. It's live what? on Netflix. So yeah, yeah, it's another, I guess, feather in the cap for Netflix as sure. they're getting ready for Monday Night Raw, and they're going to do more sports. And you know, they did the Love Is Blind finale live that was kind of a disaster. So I guess they're kind of low stakes, but enough to where people will want to watch. The Netflix Slam. The Netflix Slam. Okay, yeah, I was going to say I don't, I don't think it was just called the match, but. I guess they're not doing a good job advertising it, but I've seen it a lot when I've got on Netflix, at least. So, like, Netflix is advertising it to its 100 million subscribers, which I guess is all they need. Yeah. And maybe tennis fans are, no, like, no. Maybe tennis fans might, I don't know if it'll be like, hey, I'm going to go sign up to, you know, on Netflix because I want to watch this exhibition or whatever. But See, smart timing. We talked about the match for golf, and I still think that where they slotted it during the week was not smart. Um, this is Sunday at 3.30. I think that's... That's actually, I think that's a great time right now because there's not much else happening. Sunday at three thirty. Yeah, yeah, that's a pretty good slot. Yeah. Saturday you'd go up against college basketball, and Sunday you'll pretty much go up against nothing. I guess the NBA is doing their double headers on ABC now. Yeah, and a little, you know, final round of golf, but it's kind of a middling tournament, quite honestly, for the PGA. So, yeah, that's a good move. It doesn't say anything on that flyer about what what's at stake, right? No. I mean, I'd imagine there's got to be at least like a cash prize or something which by the way did you guys see that the uh, the match nine brought in the lowest viewership of all of them so far which you know, checks out to so many but i mean like it, it, it lost significant viewers like to be the lowest okay it could be just to come in a little bit lower and you know that's tough the the previous low was seven hundred eighty-two thousand viewers this one brought in five hundred eleven thousand. so i mean that's a pretty big decline there yeah i think the product of the matches have been diluted i haven't even watched like the full ones of the last three or four i, I, I just found myself the highlights i found myself watching a lot of the the warriors chiefs one last year i watched I the whole even, thing i of didn't that. watch any of that one strangely enough and maybe sadly enough maybe i shouldn't admit it but i, I bet on it <laughs> i bet on it i was like you know mahomes is good enough and kelsey you know you get like plus three hundred. Like, you took their like football duo on <laughs> to like the golf I like, course. Plus, I was like plus three hundred. Like it just felt like too big for an exhibition. Like I don't know. That was right. I made good money on it. This this is what I back to the tennis match. Netflix's broadcast team includes tennis greats Andre Agassi, Andy Roddick, Jim Courier, Mary Jo Fernandez, and Patrick McEnroe. Uh, Kay Adams is kind of the host. But that's a ton of talent, like on-air talent. You know, in the golf, I get that because they're wandering around holes and everything else. This is – I'm going to be interested to – now I'll watch it just to see how they balance the booth. That's just a lot of people. I'll check it out. Yeah. I'll check it out. Let's go to break. We'll get to the phone lines afterwards. 865-546-8200 if you want to weigh in. It's the morning show on Fan Run Radio. All right, it's time for our weekend betaway. 
with our friend Eli Herskovich, thelines.com. Eli, top of the morning to you, my friend. Nice to talk to you. Yeah, pumped to talk some college hoops. What a what a weekend slate, especially for you guys with Tennessee and Bama. Oh yeah, oh yeah. We're calling it maybe maybe the biggest Tennessee regular season game since '08. Memphis versus Tennessee when that was one versus two. We're thinking this might be the biggest since then. Gigantic matchup. Yeah, no, I don't blame you. And Alabama and Tennessee both avoiding a bit of a look-ahead spot, although Tennessee's matchup against Auburn. I mean, you go back to that. I was emailing back and forth with Bob a little bit yesterday. I'm glad. I don't know if you had a chance to watch the game in person. I'm glad at least Bob did. Dalton connect down the stretch. 25 points in the final 12 minutes. I think you guys, I'm sure you guys have touched on it ad nauseum. Just his shot making is truly unprecedented, especially when you consider the path he's taken going from a low mid major and then some to now doing this at the SEC level and hitting shots over Jalen Williams, one of the better defenders in the conference. It's, I, I truly couldn't believe what I was watching at times and. Auburn shot making, especially from the guard spots, of still a bit of a concern for me with this team overall. And Janai Broom getting switched on to Dalton Connect, that has also been something that's plagued Auburn just because Broom's foot speed, even though he's an elite low post big like you guys saw in the second half, guarding Dalton Connect is a whole other ball game. But either way, Tennessee proved that they can create a whole other problem for teams in March that Frankly, Rick Barnes' teams probably haven't had since, what, four or five years ago with Grant Williams and Schofield. Eli was there for all 40 minutes, unlike my co-host Bob. He uh, he had family obligations and dipped out early and missed the Dalton Connect show. I got to see all 40 minutes in person. Whenever you <laughs> whenever you are handicapping March, you know, starting now or looking forward to the tournament, how hard is it not to take single players into account? Or do you take single players into account when you're trying to figure out who you think can make a deep run? You think back to some of the guards who have carried their teams, like Kimball Walker always comes to mind. Can Dalton Connect have that type of effect, and how do you weigh that when looking at the future? So it's when you're discussing betting odds versus perception and just maybe filling out a bracket and not considering the futures market and buy low or sell high opportunities – Two very different stories and two very different approaches. Absolutely, to your first part, Dalton Connect can carry Tennessee to a a run to the Final Four. Tennessee has everything you need to win a championship when you think about the uh, just the criteria that goes into teams that win a national title. Top 20 offense, top 20 defense, that's kind of been the storyline over the last couple decades, and Tennessee has that. Now, if you're asking me, is Tennessee worth betting on, and what teams do you I look for when stars can potentially carry a team even farther than what the public may perceive and expect and bet on, that's a different story because I tend to look at more long shots. Like I, you know, I would have to go back to look at what UConn was the year that Kemba not only carried them in the NCAA tournament to six straight wins, but won the Big East tournament when UConn underperformed in the regular season. That was truly something else. Dalton Connect-ish, but Kemba on a different level. So 
I kind of look at some longer shots, you know, a team that we discussed of late. I'm not saying P.J. Hall is on this level for Clemson, but it, it kind of goes to that notion that the Tigers were, what, 25-28-1 to 1 when I bet them a few weeks ago to make the Final Four, a team that could space you out, has really good guard play, starting to pick it up defensively, and they have a superstar in P.J. Hall. Maybe not your typical guard that can carry you, but still a guy that can create a lot of mismatches in the tournament and one of the better bigs in the country. So long shots when I'm looking to, or at least maybe underdogs, when I'm looking to make a bet. But when you're looking to make picks for a bracket or just, again, the perception around a team, Dalton Connect is that superstar guard in March for sure. Morning, Eli. And first off, thank you for uh, giving Dalton, well, you're giving him love here, but also I, I saw your post on X and uh, you had to take a few uh, you had to take a few bullets from some, some fans who, want, you know, they're wanting to troll what's going on with Connect. But uh, I thought I felt like you uh, acquitted yourself well in defending what's what we're talking about. Again, that like you said, that shot over Jalen Williams was pretty elite right there. So um, that was awesome. Eli's an honorary VFL. There you go. He's an honorary Vol. Eli. <laughs> uh. Listen, I I have to deal with trolls, Bob, every single day. It has nothing to do with Tennessee fans themselves so or any fans across college basketball for that matter so i understand how it goes yeah well let's let's shift over to uh, this game tomorrow night which is going to be certainly epic at least from the the, the lead-in perspective and I, I do think it's going to be an amazing game from what you're looking at you know we haven't seen a line yet i've been scouring looking around for one still have yet to find one but i'd love to get your take i know you you typically speak in terms of possessions maybe before the actual line comes out but um we've been talking through this one a lot there's you know a little bit of history tennessee's won two in a row against alabama they ran them off the court in knoxville uh earlier uh in the season um, but it's it's at Alabama, hostile environment. There's a lot at stake. We know that if Alabama's on with their uh, perimeter game, they're going to be a, a handful. Just kind of curious about your take, um, and also factoring in the Dalton Connect effect, as we call it, because we're not sure Alabama necessarily has anybody who can shut him down. So what are you thinking in terms of not only uh, kind of a spread, but also the total, because this thing could be – Certainly a high-octane game. Yeah, we saw Kentucky-Alabama fly over the total last week. The projection for that market in particular, you're probably going to get it around 165 would be my guess. That's what my numbers kind of make it out to be. When it comes to the point spread, I make this closer to a pick So just which team wins the game is what you may see in the betting market, at least per my numbers. But I could also see this opening closer to Alabama minus one, minus one and a half, maybe even close minus two, just because the market, as we've seen, it's not just in the SEC. I mean, we saw with Alabama or with Tennessee and Auburn, for that matter, on Wednesday. Yes, Jalen Williams and his injury status affected the line. And even when he was activated and expected to play, the reports came out that Williams is going to suit up the line still didn't budge much. It closed right around Tennessee minus six and a half. And keep in mind that line opened around balls minus four and a half minus five. So market 
shading towards SEC home teams, Big Ten home teams, it doesn't matter. I wouldn't be shocked if Alabama closes right around a two-point home favorite. Now, you mentioned if anybody on the tie could slow down connect. I know Latrell Wrightsell was a bit undersized, but I think his status is going to loom large for this game. Still dealing with that concussion. We have no idea yet if he's going to be able to play or not. So keep that in mind for any of your listeners or viewers that are potentially looking to get down some money on this game. I'm not saying right cell is going to stymie and hold connect to 10 points or something like that, but he's their best defensive player and their best three point shooter efficiency wise. So whether right cell plays or not is going to impact this game. And we've seen Alabama's defense, not that they were good to begin with at that end of the floor, but it's definitely taken a hit without him. And in some games, their three-point percentage has dipped going back to even last week against Florida. You mentioned Alabama getting trounced in Knoxville last time these two teams played. Alabama shot 421 from three in that game. I would expect at home, much better home team. Actually, the only loss for Alabama in Tuscaloosa came against our Clemson Tigers, if you remember in non-conference play. But I, I would think Alabama has a much better shooting performance at home, even though Tennessee has a uh, top 20 defense and is one of the better defenses in the SEC. But a lot of this game to me will hinge upon whether right cell plays. So when you look ahead to next week, I know this theoretically could decide the SEC regular season title, but Tennessee going on the road to South Carolina, revenge game for the Bulls and Alabama going on the road to Florida and a big revenge game for the Gators after losing in overtime to Alabama, that was actually the first game that Wrightsell missed. So, big game, big implications, but still a lot to be decided in this conference. If you think Alabama is going to shoot better, and you know that Alabama is a borderline hundredth-ranked defense, do you think this game goes over the total? I don't think you know the same level, of course, that Kentucky and Alabama did last week, where you know Kentucky. <laughs> you know, almost got to 120 points and quite frankly could have if they hadn't taken their foot off the gas. But do you think we're in for a similar high 80s game here, or do you think maybe it slows down a little bit? I think it could slow down a little bit just because this is one of the better defenses in the country in Tennessee. So you're not going to get a Alabama-Kentucky game for sure based on the fact that both of those defenses are around top 70, top 80, and Tennessee could actually defend in the half court and in transition. Alabama making more threes, maybe you see this final score outcome seal up at around 80 to 76. Let's just say that's just kind of a, a guesstimation there, but doesn't mean it flies over the total. So you could technically take a look at the under. I will say, if you're going to bet this uh, under the total, wait to see where the market goes closer to tip because just based off of public perception with Alabama being one of the better offenses in the country and with uh, a game between Auburn and Tennessee flying over the total, I think public perception could drive this number up where you may be able to get a better number closer to when these two teams actually take the court when I'm talking about the under. All right, let's look around the rest of the country. You've You've been heating up with us here. I've been checking out the Lions podcast. The NBA guy's on fire, by the way. I don't know if you keep up with the NBA podcast, but he's been making me some money there. Outside shots. <laughs> I saw that you posted your college basketball weekend bets, Final Four Futures episode already this morning. 
Let's look around. What are some of the games you got your eye on this weekend? Yeah, Big Ten. Let's head over to the Midwest, my part of the country. Wisconsin likely going to be around a one or two point favorite against Illinois. I make this closer to Wisconsin minus two, minus two and a half. And Badgers coming off of a loss at Indiana, just a dreadful loss. And they've lost six of their last eight games overall. I think this is as good of a motivational spot for Wisconsin as you can get against an Illinois team that's kind of similar to Kentucky and Alabama, in a sense. I, I like to call the Illinois fighting the line the Illinois Hawkeyes just because it kind of reminds me of the Iowa teams with Luca Garza, elite offense and just putrid at the other end of the floor. Illinois, yes, they scored right around 1.6 points per possession, against Minnesota, but they allowed 1.48 points per possession. So that was a high-scoring game similar to Kentucky-Alabama. Maybe not Kentucky scoring 120-like, but either way, Illinois' post-defense is very, very exploitable. Wisconsin in a huge, huge game for them to potentially get that double bye come the Big Ten tournament. Tyler Walsh, Stephen Crowell, two of the more affected bigs and more underrated bigs, frankly, in college basketball, and A.J. Store too, so efficient, the St. John's transfer around the basket. So uh, Illinois potential look at spot as well with Purdue on deck next Tuesday. I think Wisconsin wins this game by a possession or two. Um, what about the – It's the, the team that confounds me right now is Kansas, uh, which is odd to say because they're you know perennially such a power – but without Kevin McCuller playing, we saw it the other night against Brigham Young. I mean, they're they're a different team, and they've got a big one going into Waco against Baylor. Probably, at least from a per ranking perspective, uh, we've already talked Tennessee and Alabama. It's, Kansas and Baylor is probably one of the top three games of the day. What are your thoughts on that one? Yeah, I would expect Baylor to see. I make this closer to this is one of those games, and we discussed similar instances over the last few weeks. I make this closer to Baylor minus six with McCuller out just because my power ratings with Kansas. I mean, you consider they lost to BYU earlier in the week as an eight-point home favorite, zero depth, and then you lose McCuller, and a team that already can't space the floor loses one of their more efficient shooters. I mean, McCuller is the most impactful player on Kansas by far when you think about two-way. I know Hunter Dickinson gets his flowers, but – McCuller, arguably right up there with Jamal Shedd for Houston when he's healthy to be Big 12 Defensive Player of the Year. So Kansas can't space the floor against a leaky Baylor defense, especially right around the arc, just because they run that no-middle defense and the Bears at that end of the floor, not nearly as potent as they were two or three years ago when they won the national championship. And then on the other side, Baylor's second-best three-point shooting team efficiency-wise in college basketball. Big bounce-back win for them over TCU on Monday night. You go back to the first time these two teams played at Fog. Keep in mind, no Kevin McCuller in that game. Baylor, yes, dealt with some turnover issues, but they only shot 30.8%, which is pretty low for them considering they shoot right around 40% from behind the arc on the season. Injury to monitor for this game as well. Links in love dealing with that ankle injury. He's missed a handful of games of late, including that Kansas one going back to a few weeks ago, but I think Baylor gets right from the three-point line. The When it comes to the betting pick itself, 
I wouldn't touch it if it goes over uh, possession-ish, even though I make this closer to six. Like I alluded to, this is one of those games where even if this line and even with McCuller being out, trends in Baylor's direction, Kansas could still potentially cover this number with a backdoor around two possessions. And if they turn Baylor over, this game could get interesting. I think Baylor wins the game. Maybe you throw them in a money line parlay, but I wouldn't necessarily lay the points. And I have one more for you. Uh, and this one we're going to be paying close attention to because it involves South Carolina, who is still in the, the mix for the SEC conference title. It's a noon start, so the day starts early, but number 24, Florida, at number 18, South Carolina. Thoughts on that one? Two teams that have outperformed my expectations. South Carolina pretty much outperforming everybody's expectations. Lamont Paris could very well be the national coach of the year when all is said and done. And Florida, when you think about last year's transfer-filled roster, has really put it together, probably more on selfish players than what Golden had to work with last season. But we've touched on some defenses that have struggled in the conference and the SEC. Florida is no exception. Right around top 80, just around the 80th ranked defense in college basketball. Interesting game, though, just because both teams, you're kind of getting them at their peak rating. I would expect the Gamecocks to close around a two-point favorite at home, maybe Florida gets some money and this closes right around a pick. But when you think about mismatches at either end of the floor, Florida has a bit of a size advantage over South Carolina, and the Gamecocks have been pretty steady on the defensive glass, but still vulnerable inside the yard, kind of similar to Illinois, not saying they're at the level of the Illini on a, in a poor sense defensively, but Gamecocks can be had inside the arc, and Gators have two of the better bigs in the conference, and Samuel and Hanglotten, and also putting up the second most two-point scoring rate, or the second highest two-point scoring rate in the conference. So if the Gators are able to play inside out, I think they probably win this game outright, but too close of a toss-up for me to maybe make a pick, an official pick. Eli Herskovich, thelines.com. Go subscribe to the podcast you just gotta search the lines outside shots a great college basketball podcast do you feel the same way about tennessee alabama that it's too close to make a pick or are you going to put on your orange as an honorary vfl and fire up the 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 people here in knoxville so i'm gonna have to remove my honorary vfl for the for a minute or two here i'm sorry tennessee fans i know i talked up the connect i know I know. He's I apologize, Alabama. but I, I do. <laughs> I do think Alabama is able to shoot much better than they did in Knoxville. But, 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 if Wrightsell doesn't play, I have the right to change my pick, or just to make it easy, <laughs> don't bet Alabama if Wrightsell is out. Just wait and see if he winds up playing. I like the hedge. I like the hedge. He <laughs> he reserves the right to change his opinion if the player doesn't play. I like that. That's a good out. And even if he does play, maybe he's got limited minutes. You're like, well, I didn't know that was coming either. I, I thought maybe <laughs> he was going to be full speed like Jalen. Uh, do, you, do you have a Final Four future you have your eye on right now this week? Has anything caught your eye on the way out? So I've, I, I touched on Clemson with you guys last week. I still really like that future considering you can get them right around 25 to 1 still and Jack Clark shutting down Blank Hinson on Tuesday night 
holding him to six points, Pitt's leading score. I genuinely, I haven't felt this good about a futures bet in a long time, and I'm not just saying that. But looking at some other teams that could be in the mix and maybe a team I have my eye on here, St. Mary's is kind of interesting, even without Joshua Jefferson for the rest of the season, dealing with a season-ending injury going back to a few weeks ago. Big game on Saturday night. If for anybody that is looking to stay up, I know it's maybe not East Coast Dad approved, but St. Mary's-Gonzaga, huge game, maybe not for seeding purposes in the WCC, but could mean a lot when it comes to whether or not the Gales can make a deep tournament run just based off of the eye test in that one. Wisconsin, I mentioned the Badgers and against the Illini uh, with you guys earlier in the show. I do think Wisconsin, even though they've underperformed of late, sometimes three-point defense and three-point shooting overall can just be luck-centric. Badgers right around 20-1 to to make the Final Four. They were in the plus 800 range going back to a couple weeks ago. One of those bets where if you like the, if you like Wisconsin, if you like my take on the Badgers, you probably want to bet the Badgers to make the Final Four before this game tips off, just because if Wisconsin beats a ranked opponent, the number is likely going to dip. And when you think about how much they've struggled in conference play, a get-right spot, maybe Illinois undergoes some negative variance just because, like I hit on, sometimes three-point shooting is just luck-based. And even though Alabama, just going back to the last time, Alabama and Tennessee linked up. Yes, Tennessee has a good defense, but sometimes you just have an off-shooting day. The beautiful thing about these long-shot futures, you just got to hit one to be a genius. Eli, appreciate <laughs> you. We'll talk to you next week. Good luck. Good luck to your balls. Next week I'll be an honorary or VFL. You know, I don't know if I believe you, Eli. You, you, you picked Bam. I don't know if I believe that you're wishing me good luck for my balls. <laughs> Fair enough. Good luck this weekend and have a good rest. Let's make show. some money. I'll talk to you next week. Thank you, buddy. Sounds good, guys. Always enjoy my time with Eli. Don't know if I like him throwing away his honorary VFL status I tried to give him. But, hey, he told us the only color he cares about, it's not orange. It's green. That's color money. Nice. Yeah, you get it. <laughs> hey, I'll give him I'll give him credit, you know. I don't like I don't like what he said, but he stands by what he thinks and I hope he's wrong. There's times we don't want Eli to be wrong, but this is one we do. Yeah, I would not be riding him with Alabama. Although some some people believe in the emotional hedge. There might be some Tennessee fans that just bet on Alabama that way they're happy one way or the other. It's true. That's not me. I want to feel maximum pain when my team loses. <laughs> Let's lose money and just be sad about our standings. Let's do it both ways. We'll wrap up the show with our best and worst from the week. We'll talk a little Tennessee baseball. we got a lot to cover over the last 15 minutes. Stay with us.